Welcome to Queer Conversation. In the studio with me today is PJ, the director of MCC Welfare Services. We're going to talk today about loneliness. Hey, PJ. Hello. How are you? Good. Thank you. You recently have done research on loneliness. Tell me why. Why? Well, so MCC Welfare Services started back in the 90s and we were supporting people who were living uh, with HIV and AIDS. And fortunately now people are living uh, and not dying in the same way that they were. And what that meant for our organisation was that we, need to, we needed to look at what was next. And so we spent a lot of time researching uh, what is out there, what is, it, what is the next big social issue uh, for us to look at. And it was social isolation uh, and loneliness. And so we, we sort of did all of that broad uh, research and, and landed on, on this particular topic as our central focus. And then what we've started to do over time is build up our own research base. So in 2018, there was a loneliness report and a, there was something like one in four people in Australia identified as being lonely. And then we've been running for the last couple of years a, a loneliness uh, index survey. So we generally do that around Mardi Gras time. And, uh, and the stats that we're finding almost align to that one in four. Um, we have a, a really small sample size at the moment though, so it's a bit harder to dissect that and really read into those numbers. Um, but in essence, it's that one in four people, you know, who identify uh, and it is a subjective feeling. Um, you know, loneliness in and of itself is a normal human emotion. Mm. You'll, you'll be lonely at some times and so will I. And, and the difference, though, when we talk about loneliness is more that chronic loneliness. So, you know, you really don't have anybody else to contact or, you know, to lean on or to talk with. You spend a lot of time by yourself, generally. What, what, what are the ages you're talking about? So in terms of chronic loneliness, the research is pointing to two, two cohorts, basically, the 18 to 25s and then the over 65-year-olds. And if you think about both of those um, cohorts of people, the 18 to 25-year-olds have just come through schooling, right? And they've had their friends that they saw every day and suddenly they're now out in the world. And where are those friends? because friends have gone off to different universities or TAFE or they're working or they've moved or they're traveling. And so suddenly your support network that was around you is no longer there. And then you think about the over 65s, well, that's a retirement age. So you've primarily been working most of your life, no doubt. Um, and suddenly that support base is not longer there for you. And people are questioning their identity. You know, I worked in this organization for for 40 years and suddenly I'm no longer there, so who am I as a person? And so that's, the research is calling out those two cohorts in particular. What do you hope to have to happen once we talk about it? What we're trying to do now is fund a five-year um, project because the thing about loneliness is that you don't, you don't just go, oh, I'm lonely and someone says, uh, come along to this event oh, wow, loneliness is gone. It doesn't happen like that. Um, often in our community, there's, um, there's a real 
sometimes there's trauma, sometimes there are other issues that people need to work through. You know, there's a really strong need for counselling and qualified counsellors, but people don't get access to that. They might get access to a, you know, a few sessions with someone, but then if they can't afford it, well then that support falls away. So the the solutions, I guess, for, for loneliness really is about building relationships with people. And that's for me why we want to make this a five-year longer-term project because you actually need to, first of all, find the people who are lonely. And where are you going to find those? Likely uh, health professionals. So someone will go to the doctor because they've got a pain in their toe. They don't really have a pain in their toe, but they just want to have a chat to someone. The GP is pretty easy. Go in and spend a bit of time with them you know, um, talking about a complaint that may or may not exist. Um, or they go to their other health professionals, you know, just so that they can have someone to talk to. So there's a big thing around social prescribing now. So where doctors say, I'm not going to give you a pill for your pain in your toe, but I'm going to ask you to go and see, you know, this or go and get involved in a, a volunteer organisation and use some of your time that way. And so for us, for the solution really is about getting that qualified person. You know, some people just need a, a couple of interactions introduced to the right people or the right organisations or the right groups and then they're off and they're running. Other people might need a lot more support. You know, if you're unemployed, you're applying for all the jobs that you think you're qualified for and plus, and then you're constantly being told you're not good enough that has a, like a really big impact on your self-esteem. And so for us, having that skilled professional that can di you know, diagnose, for want of a better word, what you need and how to support you, like that's what we want to do. And then hopefully over time, we move people through a service continuum. So it's the one-on-one -on -one relationship. And then it might be a small group thing. So, you know, a few unemployed people, for example, getting together and building up their self-confidence and helping them with their interview skills to sell themselves. Um, and then moving them along to connect with social groups. And then, you know, they'll be on their own uh, mm. going again. So, um, so that's for us what we see as the solution. Um, and what we're what we're working towards it's a slow and steady race mm. uh, in this one uh, funding is next to non-existent the thing that I find really fascinating uh, and I would you know I would love to see what this tells us as we we go into this project is living in Sydney people have anything and everything on their doorstep and yet it is so easy to stay behind your front door and not go out into the world. You know, people think that regional and rural locations, um, that isolation and loneliness is, you know, so much more. Well, it is, but it's different. Mm. You know, in Sydney, like you can, as I say, when we were doing the project in 2018, we looked at, if, if, I'm, if I want to connect with community, how do I do that? Well, I can go pretty much anywhere on the night time. There'll be a group, uh, a bar, uh, you know, uh, sort of thing um, available. I can do that similarly on the weekends, but there was nothing Monday to Friday, nine to five. 
So that's what we built our project around to try and you know, fill that gap of the daytime stuff. But what we ended up finding was nobody came during the day, but we had people coming at night. And, and that for me was like, you know, a really big eye opener around that. So there's been a lot of, uh, a number of documentaries over the last couple of years. And, and I refer to that ABC one, uh, older people's homes for four-year-olds and for teenagers. And they, again, they demonstrated that you've got all of these elders of our community sitting at home and not connecting with people, uh, you know, because maybe ill health and, and, and medical conditions might impact that. So they're not connecting. But then you've got these four-year-olds who don't necessarily have grandparents. So what they did was they brought them together mm. and then they brought teenagers and older people together. And so those intergenerational opportunities, and, and we talk about our community, we lost a whole generation. So, PJ, what's the difference between loneliness and isolation? Well, loneliness is, uh, it's a human emotion, right? So we all have that. Uh, but generally, it's uh, involuntary and unwanted. It's, you know, uh, it's that feeling of, I don't have anyone to share this with. Isolation is a situation. So, you know, take, for example, I get COVID, I have to isolate for seven days. So therefore, I'm isolating, I can't go out in the community. Uh, isolation could be because of mobility or accessibility. You know, you can't, you can't leave the house because you can't walk long distances. So you're therefore isolated. So I guess the The difference really is for us, when we talk about loneliness more so, that we're talking about this chronic feeling of loneliness, um, that an individual day in, day out feels that they have nobody to connect with. Um, you know, I can't contact that person because they're at work. You know, oh, so-and-so's got this on, so I won't be able to catch up with them. You know, that kind of... Uh, self-talk I guess and what are your your feelings or oh, you might have research on that what um, the consequences are of that chronic loneliness so it's um, it actually leads to poor health outcomes so anybody who is watching or listening to us today mm. what is your advice for them for me it's it's actually let go of the self-belief or the self-talk that you can't reach out to someone. You know, I, I spend my days, I will randomly send someone a message just saying, hi, how are you going? You know, that opens up a dialogue for someone. It's, it's checking in. Mm. And, and it takes work, right? It takes effort. Relationships take effort. But the important thing is you're not alone. In, in whatever is going on in your world, you're not alone. Is there, is there a support service people could reach out to? There's, um, there are a number that I'm aware of. So there's the QLife chat line uh, that people can call up. Uh, you've got the, the other organizations like Beyond Blue and Lifeline. Um, but there are also other organizations and other groups in our community who I think actually help us quite a lot. 
Um, for example, I'm part of a dinner group, right? And they meet every Thursday night and, um, and all they do is meet for dinner. So there, there are ways and means of connecting with people that you're interested in. So I guess the first thing is to ask yourself, well, what is it that you're interested in? So there's many organisations that people can volunteer with. It doesn't mean that you need to lock yourself in, you know, for the next 50 years to volunteer for an organisation, for example. And PJ, how can people support this project? Is there a website? Is there social media they can follow and get involved? Yeah, absolutely. So just look up MCC Welfare Services. Uh, website is mccws.org.au. Uh, or again on Facebook, uh, Instagram, we're on the Rainbow Tapestry. Uh, you'll find us there. Um, or you can you know, sign up to newsletters and so forth. Uh, all the standard stuff that most organisations will have. Um, you know, if you've got the skills, you could even consider volunteering on our board. You know, there's, there's lots of ways that, um, that people can be involved mm. and connected. Great. Well, thank you for the chat today, PJ. Really appreciate it and all the best with the project. Thank you so much and thank you for the opportunity. It's been a beautiful day. And if you Great. like more queer conversation, make sure to follow us at Lotl Media or check out our website, lotl.com, where you can also find 30 years of archive of lesbians on the Loose magazine. My name is Silke Bader and thank you for your company.